Hello, and welcome to the Female Founder Friday podcast with me, Lindsay White. I'm passionate about helping female entrepreneurs to be great leaders, build really high-performing teams, and create inspiring workplace cultures through innovative talent programs and practices. Because when people feel like they belong at work, they deliver their very best and businesses thrive. And the Female Founder Friday podcast is all about connecting with the most incredible female entrepreneurs to talk about their journey to creating their own businesses, the mistakes they've made along the way, the lessons that they've learned, and of course, about how they view their own leadership today. In this third season of the podcast, we're going to take that one step further. And I'm challenging all of my guests this season to take my leadership style quiz. And at the end of each episode, we're going to be digging into their leadership style and how it impacts the way they lead in their life and their business. If you're interested in learning more about your leadership style and want some of my top tips to help you lead more effectively, you can take the quiz right now. Just check out the show notes on today's episode or head over to highvoltageleadership.ca Click on the button at the top of the page that says take the quiz. Then you can share your results, connect with our guests, and join the conversation on Instagram by following me at HighVoltLeadership. My guest this week is Lee Carraher. Lee is the founder and CEO of Double Forte, which is a PR and digital marketing agency that is celebrating its 20th anniversary this month. I think that's the first time we've had such a big business anniversary on the show. Lee is also a best-selling author and a speaker who loves to talk about leadership and building high-performing teams as much as I do. And Lee is an incredible character. We had a great time recording this episode, and we definitely have a lot to say and a lot to talk about. So let's get right to it. Okay, awesome. Welcome, Lee, to the podcast. Take two. Hello, I know. (laughs) The first time we tried to record this episode, Lee's internet went off because she was in the middle of this enormous thunderstorm. So this is take two. This is the Mulligan episode. I mean, and there's another thunderstorm, but it's not quite as bad as before. So we're crossing our fingers. Crossing our fingers today. Well, thank you so much uh, for making the extra effort because I I do, I really want to jump right into your journey to being a female founder, because I know it's a really interesting conversation, a really interesting and inspiring story. So tell us, tell Mm -hmm. us that story. (laughs) Well, I am female and I am a founder. 100%. But I didn't plan either of those things. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <I> love that. <laughs> so um, my whole career. Uh, so basically, I started my company uh, Double Forte twenty years ago this year, which is nuts. Yeah. Um, out of a need, not out of um, a plan. Yeah. And the need was so I had been at uh, you know my whole career had been in public relations and communications. I had been in agencies. I moved around the country. I then moved uh, in-house at Sega of America, which was an incredible experience. You know, $1.6 billion uh, video game company where I was the um, vice president of communications. I mean, it was an incredible job. Um, left there to um, basically return to one of my previous companies, Weber, it was now Weber Shanwick, which is one of the largest um, public relations media firms in the world owned by IPG. Um, and in that company, I started a practice and I started a company. Um, and uh, ultimately, um, 
was running a few hundred people. So I don't know, five, 600, 600 and 700 people wow. in 13 offices. Um, I was based in San Francisco, uh, but I was, my offices were all over the place, including London. Um, <clears throat> I actually didn't like that job very much. And uh, I didn't work. like the job as much because, you know, um, for there are a lot of reasons. The biggest reason I didn't like the job that much is because uh, Interpublic is a publicly traded company mm-hmm. and it's very challenging to be a service organization for a publicly traded company because you're serving the street and your client at the same time. Yeah. Uh, and um, it's not very often that those things line up when in the service part of the world, right? What you're selling is time. Yeah. And there is no multiple in time. Now, most media firms are, you know, bigger entities and those big media companies are the advertising parts, right? There's a lot of multiple in that, right? It's all, yeah. you know, tons of multiple there, but there just isn't a lot of multiple in service. So um, <clears throat> 9-11 happened. Um, uh, and the company was very, please understand the company was so generous to me. This was 2001 when, you know, the economy is going sideways, Mm. companies getting in need. I mean, all these things were happening. I will not bore you with all the nitty gritty, but, um, a lot of my colleagues were losing their positions because of the economy. Um, they worked interpublic worked very hard to keep me. They offered me seven different jobs in this big reward they were doing. And um, I, at that time, had a, two young children, one, uh, let's see, that time, 9-11. So one who was going to be four in January and one who's going to be one in December. Uh, and I'd already flown 150,000 miles that year um, by 9-11. 9-4 is when I accepted the job uh, that they finally found a job that I would take. Yeah. And again, I realize what that sounds like, but uh, they're so generous. Um, I wasn't excited about it, but I am the family. I am the breadwinner. Right. And we had just found out that my younger son has uh, developmental disorders. Mm-hmm. We didn't know what that was going to look like. We needed healthcare. I mean, the whole thing. And I was like, I'm going to keep this job. I'm going to, you know, this is the job. This is great. It wasn't that great, but it was great <laughs> because, yeah. you know, it was a situation. 9-11 happened. I was on, oh, sorry. I accepted the position on 9-4. I returned to San Francisco from New York on 9-4, one week earlier than 9-11. Right. 9-11 happens and I, it just put everything into relief. Yeah. I'd already flown 150,000 miles. I fly that flight all the time. I could have been on that flight. I don't want to do this anymore. So um, wow. I ultimately... You know, if there was a cocktail involved, Lindsay, we would have a whole other conversation. However, <laughs> ultimately, but what I did was I exercised my contract and I left the company on um, the last day, on uh, Halloween that year, 9-11 of uh, 2001. And my intention was to spend a whole year away from work. I'd never spent time away. My kids, you know, yeah. Liam, my younger one, we renew, we have to get super involved and my older kid, you know, all this kind of stuff. I... And I was committed to staying a year off of the work. Um, I had enough money. I, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, there's people like you and me who are very busy. And then they go home. (laughs) And they keep busy because that's how they know how to operate. 
Um, and I was probably busy four to five hours a, a day on my younger son, taking sure. him to therapies, doing the research, meeting with doctors, because we really didn't understand yeah. what the deal was. Uh, I also did um, hot yoga every day for 72 days in a row. Bless your heart. That took three hours out of my day because it's already, it's already a 90 minute session. I want to get there early. So I didn't have to be in the front row. And then I was, I'm Irish of Irish descent. So basically I was a big tomato at the end. So it took me an hour to like, you know, oh I burned down. I kept, exactly. Right. Yeah. But still I have a lot of time. So my house was pristine, pristine. <laughs> oh my God. I had uh, four label makers for a, Oh my God. Maybe a 2000 square foot house. I had five glue guns and, uh, and one day after a few months home, I realized, you know what? I can fix, I can fix the laundry system. I can fix it. <laughs> and I went deep on fixing the laundry. Oh my And I was very, uh, I was very motivated by the single sock conundrum. And with these two young children, all of all, both of which like to only wear one sock and throw them around the cars and throw them around the house. And, you know, no matter what, I was like, you know what? The single sock, it's like an insult. <laughs> Literally, I took it so personally. Very personally. <laughs> and I took, I found every sock in the house. I emptied the cars out of socks. I went into the stroll, everything. I did four loads of laundry of just socks. I loaded, I mashed up every sock. I then like, hmm, how am I going to make sure this keeps happening? I went to Target. I bought maybe 10 laundry ba baskets. I figured out a whole system. I labeled them because I had all those label makers. And I told my, I had 37 socks left over. I threw them away. And then of course, probably found all of them in the next. Right. right. Yes. Because that's Murphy's. Because That's what happens. Yes. Um, but you yes. don't find them if you don't throw them away. I mean, yeah. I want to be very clear. There is a cause and effect there. Yes. Anyway. My husband comes home <laughs> and I'm so excited. I'm like, I have solved the laundry problem. Here's what we're going to do. The laundry was in the basement. We lived, our bedrooms are upstairs. No single sock goes upstairs. So what we do, you take a lot. If you find a sock in the laundry, you put it in the <laughs> basket. I will come two or three times a week. I will empty the basket. So many socks, right? Because the kids are changing 19 times a day because they're little. Um, I will empty it on this nice table I've just purchased and set up for this purpose. I will match all the socks. They will go upstairs. If it's not, if it's not matched, it doesn't go up. That's the rule. And my husband, who is the best person on the planet, goes, okay, that sounds good. Right, right. Three weeks later, I'm upstairs. Dressing my kid, I'm like, "What is a single sock?" <laughs> and my husband basically says, "If you don't go back to work right now, we are not going to make it because this is not natural." <laughs> and he wasn't wrong. He wasn't wrong. Right, right. I was aided by that oomph to go back to work by the fact that we got termites that year, right at the same time in California, oh. and we had to spend basically at least half of the money we had set aside to live right. on for that year on replacing windows and fixing abatement and all that kind of stuff. Oh. So all the things you love to do as a homeowner, that doesn't look any different. No, right? no. Okay. So then I was looking for, I was like, I don't want to do this agency any longer. I hate the agency world. Ugh, hate it. I want to go back inside like the job I had at Sega. So I was far down the line on two jobs. 
I was basically a week from having to choose between one or two, you know, between two of them probably. And um, my mother got diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. So I lived in California. My parents lived in Wisconsin and um, I dropped, well, I wasn't doing anything, but I dropped everything. And I (laughs) went to Wisconsin that day. And then being there that for that first week of her diagnosis, it was very clear. You know, she was given three months, four months to live. Wow. I was going to be there. I was not going to not be there with my mom. Right. Um, And it was very clear that I couldn't take either of the jobs that I was in contention for, because at that time you could not work. I mean, there was no possible way to be a chief communications officer and not be at HQ. Right. So I withdrew from those two jobs and I realized there's a lot of uncertainty, you know, oh gosh, my mom was pretty young when she was diagnosed 64. Um, She'd obviously been sick for a while. You don't get stage one for lung cancer overnight. Um, But um, like, wow. And I have this younger son who has special needs. I don't know what that's going to look like. My two sisters were not as 20 years ago, they were not as independent. I was, I'm I'm, It's going to let, you know, I'm going to have to take this on. I better have my own job that I can declare where I need to be. So that's why I started the company. I started the company because I'm the breadwinner. I need to bring home the bacon yeah. and I needed to do it on my own terms. I need to be where I needed to be when I needed to be there without having to explain myself. Yeah. So I started uh, double forte. I found my partner. We started with a partner, Dan Stevens, yeah. who had worked with me twice before. And we both hated the PR world. And we were like, <laughs> how are we going to be, but he's really, you know, he's really good at it. I'm really good at it. I said, so how are we going to have a PR firm that we like coming to? How are we going to yeah. have a PR firm where the rule isn't 20% of the time it's okay. And 80% of the, 80% of the time it sucks, but we make a lot of money to 80% of the time it's good. 25, 20% of the time it's still not as bad as the bad day at my old job. And it's not all about the money and that we have different um, bottom lines that allow us to have the lives we want. Money's important. Yeah, Don't get yeah. me wrong. Roof over the head. Yeah. But it's not the only thing that matters. So that's um, how I became a female founder I in agree. a very long, but very truncated, I might say, story, <laughs> Lindsay. So, okay. And, and I, I love it. I love it. I mean, I know there's a ton of detail in there and ups and downs and all of those things. But first, let me say, in typical female founder fashion, you completely <laughs> glossed over the celebration that now is 20 years, 20 years in business. I mean, we do that. I know, it's so, true. it's so like, true. If you are listening to this episode, notice, mm-hmm. notice that this woman who's incredibly successful and has had an incredible career now 20 years, you said this fall, in mm-hmm. business she too does not celebrate her successes nearly mm-hmm. as much. We are all victims of, of this. Yeah. And it's I true. think it's absolutely f- remarkable. Um, I, I love, I love the richness in this journey. I, I absolutely like when you said you went deep on the laundry, I mean, it became, <laughs> it was personal. It was personal. Oh, there were singles. That insulted. That's hysterical. How can you bring us? Right. Like, 
I what seriously, it was a personal affront. It was a personal affront <laughs> that there were single socks in your house. And the label oh. makers pretty much pushed it over the edge. But but I, I love I love this idea. You said it at the end here that you wanted to create a business where 80% of the days in the business were awesome days. Yeah, there's going to be 20% that's not super fantastic. But 80% of the time, you really love what you're doing. You love who you're working mm-hmm. with. You love what you're working on. And the, the business can't be all about the money and the profit. It, I mean, it, it could be. be. There has to be a purpose yeah. that's more yeah. than that. Yeah, we, I mean, yeah, and absolutely. Well, it can be, and it was my previous, you know, where I worked before. 100%, right? However, when you start your, I mean, if you decide your, that your pursuit is money, you know, you make choices, you're making choices about your life immediately. Yeah. Um, that everything else subjugates it. Um, and I wasn't, I mean, nine 11. So I have to say nine 11 is what put it all in relief. Point. For me. Point. You know? Just, um, I think know. COVID has been, you know, oh, absolutely. another huge catastrophic event. Oh yeah. It's, turning, it's made all of us, first mm-hmm. of all, we've all suffered some low level trauma here. Uh, at least like on a base on a base level yeah. we're all traumatized and then what it does these big events they just really make you reconsider what is really important yeah they should make i would say they are they i hope they make us all reconsider what's important i think we're almost forced to don't you we're i think some people and i think people who no, I think people who are, uh, it is a point of privilege to be able to reconsider. I guess. Yeah. I, I, I you know what, if you're, just, if you're working two jobs to put money on the table, do you have and, time? You know, yeah. Do you have you the know, capacity for it? For, you know what? Fair, it, absolutely yeah. fair comment. But um, I think, um, what our opportunity is, is to reconsider what matters and yeah. reconsider, you know, what am I pursuing? And yeah. am I, is this, you know, I think a lot, and I, I know for myself, you know, I, I was doubly committed to our purpose, the company, you know, we only work with good companies doing great things. Yeah. We don't work with assholes. Sorry. Beep, beep. No. Um, and we yeah. said that from the beginning, right? So that rule has never changed. Um, and therefore it is revenue <clears throat> challenging, and, but life enhancing um, because we yeah. say no to a lot of people, right? Yeah. Um, and in, and in COVID, so my family moved from San Francisco to Wisconsin f- for my younger son, who is now 21, um, in 2019. So three years ago, um, before COVID. And it was a personal choice for our family to make sure we could really folk, we really thought we could, we really think we can create a better adulthood for him here than we could in California. There are a lot of reasons. Another cocktail. Yeah. Um, Because there's only stories. I only have stories for you uh, that we don't have time for. Um, So, but COVID, but COVID, like I had not, not traveled on a plane since I was 20 in a year since I was 20. No, probably since I was 18. Wow. Yeah, 18 when I went to college, because I went to college in Minnesota from California. Anyway, so I realized, you know, how am I spending my time? Who am I spending my time with? What am I spending my time with? I got 10 hours back. I was commuting minimum one hour each way 
for yeah. years. Yeah. I mean, decades, even though I own the company, even though I could work from home, even though, even though. Right? <laughs> Old so, habits die hardly, right? Yeah. Old habits die hard. They're, and I like being in the office. Yeah. Uh, I don't have an office anymore because we got rid of those, but what am I doing with those 10 hours? How do I make sure, you know, what yeah. are the, and it really does say, you know, the opportunity because I was able to, we were so lucky. None of our, none of my immediate family has had COVID, the four of us, some of my extended yeah, yeah. family has, uh, we all have people, all of us, all four of us, my two kids and my husband and I have friends who've lost parents or cousins or spouses or, you know, brothers or sis it's sisters, but yeah. we have not. Yeah. And we've been very, and we've been hyper vigilant. You know, there's a lot of things, right? Um, but uh, reorganizing, thinking about this as a moment in time to move from yeah. versus to move through. Yeah. Right. Yes. If you just move through it. You don't take the advantage of the the devastation to say, and that sounds terrible. Take advantage of the devastation, but you don't take the moment to say something. The world has just changed. Yes. What got me to this point is not what will get me to that point because the world has fundamentally changed. Work has fundamentally changed. The workforce has fundamentally changed. Yes. Healthcare, yes. health is fundamentally changed. I mean, all the things, right? So when those things happen, a business should always look, anytime a cataclysmic event happens to your business, to your region, to your industry, to the nation, to the world, yeah. you should look at your business model and say, all right, do I need to adjust or not? And probably you do. Well, yeah, I think that probably you do. And then I think personally, that's right? Personally, what are you gonna? So there's a business yeah. response to a, an event, and then there's a personal response to the event. And for founders, those things intersect. They, they, you know, they really do. Right? They really do because we are such a big part of our business. Yeah, business is such a big part of our life. I mean, exactly. I like to talk about work-life blend for female yeah. business owners, because it really is. And, and now more than ever, I mean, you know, like you said, we have these home offices, we've been running these businesses yeah. out of our houses now for what, two and a half years, because yeah. we had no choice. It wasn't and a choice. It is even more of an integration now. And you're right. We got to get clear on what's important to us personally, yeah. because that is absolutely reflected in what's important in our organizations. Right. And and important in how we build and lead our teams. Exactly. And our teams, yeah. right? Remember, so we're founders, right? We're entrepreneurs. We're responsible. Yeah. <laughs> no. We're better or for worse. We're better or for worse. The buck stops, right? But our people, right? Our people have different, um, our people may not share. They, we want people who share our values, right? because it makes for less conflict in your office, period. <laughs> However, they may not feel the same compulsion, you know, they, it may just be a job for them. Yeah. Hopefully it's a job they like. Hopefully you're making it a place where they stay for a long time and they go seek something new. But um, we should not expect the same um, blend that we have to hold because yeah. we're founders and people as our people from our people as we have, because they don't own the company. They're no. not responsible for the company. And no. that's where often I think uh, founders yes. have a problem. I don't know if it's a problem, you know, have a disconnect. It, it's a, it is 
it is a perspective deficiency. And yeah. I, 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 I say that with, with all due respect and love and care, because I, I do, I get founders that I work with frequently that say to me, well, I just, I can't find, I can't find staff that cares. Like I can't find, you're never going care to care as much as I do. And that is exactly my response. You're it's never not going their to, business. they're yeah. never going to care about it the way you care about it. Right. Your it's a transaction. Job, you, well, and your job is to help them. You're right. Yeah create a great place where they can do great work. That's what they care about. They care exactly. about working in an organization and with a team and for a leader that allows them to do something that's really meaningful. I fundamentally believe. Yeah. And contribute. Up, exactly. They want to they show want up to every contribute. day and do their best work. They and really they want do. to matter. They want to matter in an organization. Even they if they pick up the trash, they want to matter. And there's lots of things you can that's do to exactly do that. It. But they yeah. will never care like you do. No, they're not going to. So I actually had a woman today. So she worked. I'm just going to interrupt. No, no. That's what I do. (laughs) So she's worked with me for a long time. A long time. I've known her for a long, long time. She's one of my senior leaders. Um, And we're working with some clients who are going through very challenging situations right now. And one of other clients has a, um, an event that is triggering for her. Mm. She wants off. Not convenient but I'm going to get her off. Yeah. Because for me, the long-term is the company. The long-term is not the client. The long-term is the company. Yeah. Who holds the bag? Who hold, I hold the bag. So I'm going to have to figure out how to get the work done without her on this client because yeah. it's not useful. No. And she, but what I'm really proud of, Lindsay, is the fact that I really proud of this. And again, early, it's hard to say that I'm proud of this but I'm going to say what I'm proud of on this. I'm proud of the fact that we have the space for her to say, I can't do this. Yes. I personally can't do this. I need to get off this. Please take me off this account. That's what she asked. She didn't say, take me off. She said, please take me off. I will will redeploy my time in a different way. I know this is going to be a challenge. And, um, but please take me off. So I'm very proud that we have an organization that allows that space, it fucking sucks. Excuse my language, beep, 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 no. sorry again. No, no. Today, I'm like. I just, I think. But that's holding the yes. fact that we're do we allow this. And that's what keeps right. people with us. Yeah. And that point of view is what keeps people engaged. And in the end, if we don't keep our people engaged, it doesn't matter who we serve because they won't be able to serve them. Well, that's. We don't have people who are in line with you and in your, in your company for as long as we can keep them, you have nothing. Yes. It, it is in, it's that what you've got there, Lee, is that psychological safety that we hope so. (laughs) That we hear about quite a bit. We hear, well, it, it is. That's what we hear about quite a bit that we need to develop psychological safety in our workplaces and all that. It sounds complicated, but it's not. It's not. It's all about trust. Mm-hmm. It's all about creating a culture where people feel trusting. Mm-hmm. They feel like they can say what is on their mind. They feel like what they, what they experience as an individual is valued. Mm-hmm. And to be able to go to the boss and say, I do not feel like I can operate with this client. 
Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do my best work here for whatever reason, whether, and then whether it's help me or get me out of here, mm-hmm. that is the psychological safety. I feel trust here right. so that I can speak about what I'm experiencing. And it is absolutely key to creating a place where people feel like they belong, where they feel like they're seen and heard and respected. That's what it's all about. It yeah. doesn't have to be complicated. It just has to be based in trust. And that's incredibly, yeah. that's another in, amazing celebration <laughs> that you've created. Yeah, that, and we, yeah. we've done that from the beginning and it's never, yeah, we've done that from the beginning. I love so, I mean, I've just focused on, I mean, for my, for my business, like, this is not how we started, but what I came to understand is, so we're in the service business, yeah. right? We have lots of competitors, lots of other agencies who could probably do what we do maybe on a good day. Uh, but for us, the success is, our success is predicated on keeping clients longer than anybody else does. Yeah. And which means that you're keeping people longer than anybody else does. And if you can keep people Uh, longer than anybody else does, you in general keep clients longer than anybody else does. And that's a different point of view than running the numbers. The numbers freaking matter. You know, it is, I will not tell you it has always been easy. I will not tell you that there are days I'm like, will I make payroll this week? I don't know. I think I will, you know, I'll figure it out, (laughs) you know? Um, But when you're making decisions, if you move to the fear of the payroll, you, every, you're chasing things that then um, fundamentally undermine the values of the business. And that is, that is absolutely the most amazing truth of it. And I often say that money is just a metric. It's not a value. Mm -hmm. And if you, if you have to keep score and money is a really easy way to keep score, let's be clear about that. If you have money, you're winning. If you don't have money, you might be on the losing. Like, but it is not the only way to measure success in a business. In fact, it should be down at the lower end of the measures. What's a measurement of success is that your people come to you when they need help. Yeah. What's a measure of success is that they come to you when they have a brilliant idea or they want to change a system or a process, mm-hmm. right? When they challenge ideas openly and constructively, when they right. collaborate with each other and they rub their brain cells together and they come up mm-hmm. with cool things, those are measures of success. When people stay in mm-hmm. just retaining top right. talent is a great measure of the success. I really love that, Lee. The, um, and so really you can wrap it up. I wrap that whole thing up in, we are a high input, low democracy business. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Everybody has a say, everybody's say matters and ideas can come from anywhere. Yes. Um, but it's not a vote. Like we could vote on where should we go for lunch, but we're not voting on policy. No. We're not voting on, there's things we're not going to vote on. There are things we can vote on, like what color yeah. should we use? Yes. But isn't you that know, an interesting balance? In high a input, low democracy. Um, yeah. And the intricacy as a business yeah. leader is to understand mm-hmm. where does that line live? Yeah. Where does that line live between the high input and the buck stops here? Right. Yeah. And what box can you, when, what big box can you give away? I mean, if yeah. you're making every decision, you're, you're not growing. I'll just no. tell you that right now. No. So give away as many bucks as you can, because you're stronger with more people who have authority. 
if yeah. you, as long as they're doing the job, right? Well, and if uh, your ideas are the only good ideas, you're in the wrong as, business. As the boss, as the leader, as the founder, your ship is already sinking. Like yeah. get out the buckets. So true. Right? So true. If I'm the smartest person in the room, I'm in the wrong room. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. And if your yeah. ego can't take someone else in your business being smarter than you are, you need to check yourself. Like so you, you, hey, you just a little shameless plug. You need a coach. Call me. I'll fit Call you. Call her. Right? Because if you if Call you can't, if you can't take someone in your business coming up with a better idea than you have, if that hurts, if that hurts a lot, mm -hmm. uh, you you need some self reflection time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Lee, I want to ask you about, you know, where have you made missteps or mistakes or malfunctions? 20 mm -hmm. years. I know there's got to be a couple. Lots. Most of my mistakes are around. I made a lot of mistakes. Let's make clear. I did also <laughs> have the advantage of having started a company for Interpublic, right? So right. Um, I had that advantage. It wasn't like I didn't know what to do. Yeah. Um, because they had given me a lot of structure yeah. in which I had to start a company, yeah. which was a huge advantage for me when I started the company. Um, the biggest mistake I've made is around people, keeping right. people longer than I should, keeping people, uh, trusting people who I shouldn't trust yeah. and not, and not sort of wanting to wanting to do things, just wanting not to have to worry about it. Right. I am not a very, I'm not a very hands-on yeah. manager. I'm involved with a lot, but I'm not a very hands-on. I'm like, what do you want to do? How can I help you? You're not equipped for this engagement. Yeah. You're not equipped for this thing. I'm going to help you be equipped at the end of this project. You're now going to have experience. Let me help. Yeah. But I'm not like, who's doing what? You know, if someone runs an account, they run the account. I've made several mistakes in that. Um, that hurt the company for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So there is, I think that this is a really great point there as a, a leader and a founder, you have to find the line between giving people enough rope and hanging mm -hmm. themselves. And that does that experience does not come without a cost. Is that a fair oh, thing to say? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think there's two, for me, at least there's been two kinds of, of those engagements. One is a person or people who are trustworthy but don't evolve, right? So there's people yes. who, and so I started Double Forte before Twitter. Right. We are a communications firm. Right. The move to social media for people who are a little older in the spectrum. Tricky, tricky, yeah. Some people embraced it, some people didn't. Mm -hmm. I worked too long to get people who didn't embrace it to embrace the changes in what yes. was going on in our industry. Right. I, sh I should have said, you know what? I can't take you anywhere. You yes. gotta go. Yes. But I was working really hard to get them to understand their lives have just changed yeah. and they cannot do things the way they've been doing them. And I'm really sorry about that, but that's the truth. Yeah. So that's one mistake. The other mistake was based on ego where they wanted to be the hero. They wanted, it wasn't about us. It was about them. And, um, they, it was, they, they, you know, it was, and I mean singular they, but I just don't want to say a pronoun. No, uh, of course not. You know, but you know, you what? know what I mean? I, it was about I, them, and yeah. they were they were basically faking it. And I don't fake it. 
I don't allow faking it, yeah. but I didn't, um, they basically, they had moved up, you know, they'd done the yeah. job, they'd been rewarded, they'd moved up, didn't accept help. Or I thought, you know, they just didn't move to that next level. They became untrustworthy through their ego. Yeah. And I, um, hard for me to see because they moved from a place of trust to distrust. Like I don't promote they, people I don't trust and I've verified know, their work. Not. Of course not. But um, that was the second thing. So one is about evolving and the other one is about trust. Yeah. I, and I think, you know, it is tricky for us as, as leaders. I mean, we're, we, we have to believe what people show us about themselves. And sometimes right. and some, to believe that and sometimes we're like, oh, they're not showing me that. Of course, they're not showing me that. Uh, yeah, like we don't. Yeah, they're not showing no. me that they're evil incarnate. Of course yeah. not. They're having a bad day, you know. And I don't mean evil incarnate, but no, but yeah, you know what I mean. So they're not showing me that they're. I mean, some and some of these. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're personal things for all of those people yeah. that I should have ejected faster. Um. But that, those are my biggest mistakes. My biggest mistakes, because in the service business, you're selling time. If you can't sell their time, you got nothing. Yeah. And if you're not selling their time, they're not being contributors. If they're not being contributors, if they're not being contributors another way, because they're obviously, they're non-billable people in our agency, people who- Right, right. Support. Yeah. But um, if they're not contributing in a way they're supposed to, or we can't find a way for them to contribute to the bottom line, any of our bottom lines, then they got to go. And I didn't move fast enough for several people over time. And I, I do, you know what? I don't like this phrase, the higher, uh, you know, higher, slow, fire, fast. That's a little oversimplified, but in fact, it kind of boils it right down. When you're looking to bring new talent to your business, you do need to be thoughtful. You do need to be methodical. And the truth is you do need a really solid strategy and a process in order to make sure they really are the right talent, that they're not just another shiny thing. And so then true. you do need to have a great process in terms of performance management and identifying what are they doing well? What are they not doing well? How do you either help them to get better or help them to find another place to work? Right. And we do, we do tend to, we do tend to want to, you know, fire slow, which in our, in our smaller businesses, means that we lose money and we lose clients. And in fact, we disengage the rest of our team. I think that's the biggest tricky is when we don't, when we have some kind of performance issue and we don't want to deal with it, we, we show other people in the business that they don't have this, the value that we think they do. We, we yeah, actually basically, that trust and that safety. Your culture is defined by the worst behavior you allow. Yes. Yes. Right? It's true. And I was traveling so much that so I couldn't see it all, right? Yes. You and know, that, so I mean, that would, had be, a, you know. that would be very difficult. Uh, uh, but I, I love, I love that you're very forward about that, that this is, this is the spaces where I've made mistakes in my business. And, um, you know, we just, we always are going to trust mm-hmm. people probably more than they maybe deserve at moments in time. And I, I, for one, think that that's actually the way we should do it. We got to be trusting can't yeah. be distrustful. So I really like that. Um, I'm going to talk with Lee now about 
the leadership quiz and her leadership style. So if you uh, are listening, you want to know what your leadership style is, you can look in the show notes for the quiz, or you can go to highvoltageleadership.ca and you can take my leadership uh, style quiz there. Find out a little bit more about how you lead. And I've got some tips uh, that I'll send you as well. Lee, what style of leader are you? I think I know already. <laughs> what do you think it is? Well, I'm, <laughs> I don't I'm not going to ruin it for you. I'll tell you. I'm a, I tested as a supporter. That doesn't surprise me. I was maybe thinking yeah. supporter coaching, but supporter. Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Supporter. So what does that mean to you as a lead, as a leader, mm-hmm. as a business owner? To me, it means that um, I, and therefore the company, because, mm-hmm. right, supports people in their personal world, yeah. in their personal ambition, in their personal choices, in their personal, um, uh, in their personal lives. Yeah. So, and I support their um, desire to lead the life they want to lead. You. So- for, that's what it means. Um, it also means that I have a very high standard because you cannot run a business without having a high standard of performance, right? Oh. Um, and if you have to hold both of those things, you can, we, I will help you do whatever the hell it is you want to do. Yeah. But you have to perform at a high level. Yes. Because this is time that is not in the business, right? Yeah. It is, I think it's in. And critical to the business. Yeah. But it's not time that is monetized, right? No. no. So, but but I, um, I, so that means that if someone wants to be a nurse, someone's calling me and say, Lee, I really want to go and be a nurse. I'm like, how can, okay, great. Do you yeah. need me to write a letter for you? Yeah. Actually, I need to go to school, Lee, to, so I can qualify for nursing school. I'm like, okay, well, can you do that at night or can you, we can change your job so that you can still work yeah. but not have the same yeah. job, but you can go do that. And that's a lot of work, but you have to do your job, but we can yeah. do it for you. Yes. Or someone says, I want to, and this is before COVID, I want to move to um, Los Angeles. Okay. Got to do your job, but you can move to Los Angeles. I don't care. I you know, or that. I want to, whatever. This is what I want to do with my life. Yeah. Um, and it, we do everything we can to accommodate career choices within the confines of double forte. I love that. Right. Yeah. And then when we, we're a small company and we do this thing called communication. Well, if you want to be a welder, yeah, you know, I I do that, so. right? so you can't work here. How can, but how can we help you? How can we help you pursue what you want to pursue? Um, so that is what it means, but you cannot do that unless the performance of the work. So you, those people who don't want yes. to pursue the career that we're in, you know, they have a responsibility to hold both things equally while they work for us. Yeah. You know, in a career in PR, that would look like parking yourself. Like, yeah. and some moms have done this. Like, so they have their kids, they come back to work three quarters time, half time. They park themselves in a level yeah. job that is not, uh, advancement, right. As traditional advancement with luck. Yes. But it doesn't matter. Cause that's what they've chosen to do. Yeah. And our company accommodates that. All right. So you're going to work half time. Okay. That means you're not client facing, or if, you, if you're client facing, you're only doing this job yeah. or I'm going to have you do that job. You know, we figure it out. It is very messy. 
but it is what allows people to stay so long, which allows us to keep yeah. flying so long. So when I think about support that, and also it's to be true. So I just told you my biggest failing is when people, you know, people screw up. That's the number, their numbers aren't very high on that, right? I can oh. actually count on one hand, the people I should have fired earlier. So uh, in 20 years, so that's pretty good. No, that's amazing. Oh, no, two hands, two hands, two, <laughs> one bad. hand and a thumb, one hand and a thumb. And, um, um, but it's also giving real feedback in at the time that says, this is not good enough. Yeah. And yeah. let me show you exactly why it's not just say it's not good enough. That's not good enough as a feedback. Yeah. This is not good <laughs> enough. Your act, your language is passive. You use the, there is construction. These, these paragraphs are too long and it needs to be under 500 words, but that's the, you know, yes. now you have the feedback you need go fix. Um, yeah. or to say what you're doing well, you did a great job on this, you know, this movement from this article to this article that you wrote is tremendous. Yeah. You moved to the active language. I really like the sentence structure. You tell a good story. I, and then say, and the next, where you can focus on next is this, this, and this. Oh, so it's always that. giving that feedback that's supportive, right? Oh, we, you're making not only to support their people, but to support yeah. what you need from them for them to have that support. I love right. the layers that you bring to that word support, that supportive leadership. And you're right, being really direct, pay, like kind, mm -hmm. being kind in the feedback, but being really direct and really specific, whether it's good feedback or what we would maybe call negative feedback, constructive, constructive is absolutely crucial. And it's the piece that is so often missed. So often missed. So often missed. Yeah. Uh, just saying to somebody, you're not performing adds no value. No value. You're not performing. And here are the places where you're not performing. And here's the ways that you mm -hmm. can fix it. That's valuable. Yeah. That's what creates trust because they know you care about them enough to tell mm -hmm. them that, to give them that, and then to support them right. in the growth. That is absolutely amazing. Maybe. There's two other places I just want to talk about yeah. support. One is um, uh, conflict, uh, confronting conflict fast, as fast as you can. Uh, yeah. Um, and then number two is, and this is actually really, I might tear up a little bit on this one, but you know, it's not just about their work, but it's about their lives. And in this, in the United States, you know, uh, Roe v. Wade was overturned on Friday, last Friday. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> which has been devastating. My whole, I, my whole, just devastating. And um, so we, you know, I do a weekly email on a Monday, like here's the update from last week. And here's what we look forward to this week. Just so in case I can't be around. There's yeah. Today's, this week's update was just that we will support anybody who needs to cross state lines to access comprehensive reproductive health up to $5,000, um, which people should be able to do. Um, and that was the, and I said, that's it. That's the update. <laughs> <laughs> I had a lot of other things to tell, but, um, that was the most important thing because that's supportive of life choices. Yeah. I'm not going to sit in judgment of life choices. I no. could say, oh, you know, well, and we've helped in all companies, every single company helps people through you. You may not know it, but you, you know, every single company helps people through their life choices of, yeah. of either overtly or 
Yeah. Uh, or implied, right? Yeah. Or doesn't. They do or they don't support the right life choices. Um, and um, I think that, uh, you know, and I don't think people were surprised that I did this at all. No. But, you know, I usually get two or three responses to my, thanks for the update, Lee. Yeah. Oh, I, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I only have 21 people. I had 21 responses. That's amazing. So, um, and most, and many of us are not of childbearing age or don't have the apparatus anymore, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yes. So, to share bluntly with you. But I love that that is like the ultimate, that's the ultimate expression right. of support. And then on the conflict thing, people, people conflict is so hard. And um, it's hard. Yeah. And I'm going to show you. So I, I don't know if we talked about the fact that I've written a couple of books. Have we talked about that? No, we haven't mentioned that at all, but we should talk yeah. about that. Well, I've written two books. Um, the first one was Millennials in Management, ah. which is about how I figured out how to work with millennials after almost killing my company by not working with millennials. <laughs> and then, um, but in it, and I'm looking for the pay. Oh, I know it's like 139. Um, actually, yeah, here you go. It's a full life approach to work. There you go. Life approach to work. I love that. Um, but there is, oh, here it is, conflict. So I actually worked with my own coach on conflict and I adapted this conflict communication wheel from the work I was doing. It's based on a, something from Georgetown. And this is something I teach all the time because um, you have to practice yes. being in conflict. Yes. Practice resolving conflict. And conflict can happen like, I don't like this pen. Why do you keep getting this pen, right? Yeah. I mean, you've seen the little, it's, and it's often the teeny weeny conflicts that actually erupt, right? Yes. And our, our, our philosophy is do not let little things fester. Yeah. Just say it. Like my office manager hates the fact that I buy my own pens. Because <laughs> I don't like the pens she buys. <laughs> she buys cheap pens. <laughs> I like this pen. She's trying to save so, your company money, Lee. Yeah, but I don't use them. So I it's like them. money. Uh, it's the Pentel RSVP medium. I like this pen. <laughs> I may have it in many colors. Look at you. You're hilarious. She's showing us, by the way, you can't see this. You can't it's see this, but I'm showing her all how many in colors her I have. I have so many. Oh, do I have orange? And orange. An orange yeah. and pink. And I got a lot of pens. <laughs> But it was driving her crazy, Lindsay. It was, right. and I was like, Kathy, what's the matter? You did, ah, oh, it's nothing, it's nothing. No, there's something the matter, tell me. You keep buying your own pens. Yeah. You never know where the conflict's gonna come from. Right. Right? And to her, to her, so I created this thing that we track, do all the time. And it's actually on my website if you wanna download it. We will find it. I'll give you the link, Lindsay. That would be super. We'll pop um, it to the show notes. Yeah, but um, but everybody has a thing. Yeah. Right, and everything matters. And if they're spending any time grading on it, it means they're not productive. Yeah. It means they're, it they're, means not they're focused. probably making mistakes. Yes. So listening, you know, it meant to her, the fact that I bought my own pens meant I didn't trust her. That's yes. what she said. Yes. I assume you don't trust me. Yeah. No, it has nothing to do with that. I just don't like the cheap ass pens that you buy. I don't like the cheap ass pens. <laughs> I appreciate that you're trying to make everybody else use a cheap ass pen, but you know, I own this company. <laughs> I'm going to use the orange pen if I want to. I love it. And you know, 
Also, I would buy expensive pens for everybody if they wanted them. It doesn't really matter to me, no, right? Right, right. No, but I, but, I, love, I love that, Lee. Like, just, just talk about it. Just yeah, talk and about that's support. I feel that's really supportive. Yeah, right. Supportive, and yeah. not also supportive is not. I mean, so I'm gonna like li- I'm living into the supportive thing. Uh, also, supportive is not solving people's problems for them. No, that is a big one. You know, that could be a time saver, but it's not supporting them or your business. No. So I'm going to lean way into that supportive thing. I, I really love that you embrace <laughs> that. No, I, you know what? I think that's actually a great point. It's not your job to solve someone else's problems. And the truth yeah. is nine times out of 10, they don't want you. you. They don't want your solutions. No. They want your support. They want your encouragement. They might ask for your ideas, but only give them if they ask for them. Otherwise... They just may need you to be present. That's all. And that's what I've, I've learned to do. Say, do you want me to listen? Do you want me to give you an answer? Do you want me to solve something for you? What, what do you want yeah. right now? Lee, yeah. I just want you to listen. I'm like, okay, I'll listen. Bingo. Yep. I love that. Oh, Lee, I really, I really love that you just leaned right in to this leadership style piece. And I think it's really important as female founders, as business leaders, that we do understand what is authentic for us as a leader? Oh my gosh, yes. How Too we, hard not to be authentic. Right? But we Too hard. We don't get into the business to be a leader. We get into right. these businesses because we have a service or a product we're really passionate about. But then we end up 20 years later, Lee, leading <laughs> a team of over 20 people, successful business. And guess what? A big part of our job is leading. And it is creating culture. And it is creating spaces where people can bring all of their awesomeness to our, to our work and to our clients every day. And I think that you absolutely offer the audience today, some super inspiring, super interesting, super thought provoking things to take away from this conversation. And I am super grateful for that. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's been so much fun talking with you, Lindsay, the second time too. The second time. No, I love it. it it's it's absolutely been a pleasure. And, and I'm really honored uh, to have you, especially in your 20th year in business here on the podcast. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for tuning in today. I sure hope you enjoyed listening as much as I did hosting this conversation. And if you did enjoy today's episode, would you do me a favor? Would you give the episode a five-star review and share it with all of your friends? I would really appreciate that. I've got a goal to impact a thousand female founders. And with your help, we can really amplify this message. Thanks again for being a part of the show. And don't forget to connect with me and all of my guests on Instagram at High Volt Leadership. We'll see you next Friday.